Good morning, everybody. How's everybody feeling today? Um, welcome to New Hope Community Church. Uh, one other quick announcement. Um, we are going to celebrate communion this morning. Um, so uh, in a few minutes. So if you, um, if you didn't get a, a communion cup, if you'd like to do that, they're in the back with, uh, with Bruce. Um, for the benefit of guests, my name is Joe Miller. I'm your pastor, which means that I get paid to say difficult things. If it helps, um, sometimes the things that um, I say are just as difficult for me to hear as they are to say. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I think, gosh, I don't know if I want to bring up that topic because it might ruffle some feathers. But, but honestly, a lot of times I'm thinking, gosh, I don't know if I want to bring up that topic um, because the truth is that I am embarrassingly bad at it. Um, of course, I'm all for practicing what I preach, but, but goodness, I mean, have you read this? It, it actually is kind of difficult. I, I think that, that what Jesus wants for us is all to stay humble and talk honestly about the things that matter in ways that are truthful, ways that are direct, but also charged with gentleness, charged with respect. Um, I respect you all deeply. And when we come to a topic like the one for today, I want with everything in me not to talk at you. I want to talk with you as someone who is trying to figure all this stuff out. We are continuing our, this morning in our series, things that we should talk about more often. I just want to say thank you to everybody who has participated in this series so far, please go back and listen to them, uh, the sermons <coughs> Sorry, throughout August. Um, we had Janet Durker and the Connards came and uh, uh, T.D. Allen and Jay Davies. Uh, last week we heard from Pastor Dan Broadwater. Um, it's, it's been a good uh, kind of uh, exercise to go through these topics. But today, I want us to talk about the topic of contempt. That word, that word has a legal connotation. So, so while I was preparing for this message, I, I, I went to my friend Nick Stewart, and I asked him, I said, Nick, what, is, what does contempt mean in, in like legal terms? And according, he actually gave me a, a page from Black's Law Dictionary. Um, according to Black's Law Dictionary, contempt is the act or state of despising. Legally, it is conduct that, that defies the dignity or authority of the court, but perhaps more importantly, what it does is, is it interferes with the administration of justice. There were lots of, of further details to the, to, the, to the definition that I won't attempt to, you know, to interpret or understand, but, but they all seem to kind of have a common thread. Th this act of despising called contempt, it interferes with the orderly process of judgment, of, ju of justice. It gets in the way of how we should treat one another. It gets in the way of, of progress to intentionally mix metaphors. The ball doesn't get moved down the field if the players are all out to get one another. The need for a, for a court of justice in the first place implies that disagreements will exist. Disagreement should not only be accepted, it, it should be expected, right? And it's to everyone's benefit that they'll need to be settled with some sort of orderly procedure, whether that's a, 
a, a, a legal procedure or otherwise, but, but it's to everyone's benefit uh, that it's going to be orderly. But, but contempt, despising in a way that, that allows our passions to get the better of us, that's, that's not order, that's not justice, that's an interruption. Contempt interferes and interrupts the ways the way things ought to be. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Old Testament law. Okay, but, but, but Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, you moron, you idiot, you cottonhead ninny-muggins, you will be liable to the hell of fire. I thought that was going to get more of a laugh than it did. I'm sorry. Anyway, we say, like, oh, but, but Jesus, aren't there times when, when anger is justified? God himself speaks of, of being angry. You, you've read the Old Testament, right? And, and, and weren't you the one who, like, turned over the tables in the temple? Indeed. So how do we know if the line has been crossed over from anger into the territory of contempt. This past week, I threw my back out, and it has been absolutely killing me, um, which, you know, all comes back to the fact that I need to lose 60 pounds like yesterday. But, you know, it's, it's been like all I can focus on. I get up in the morning, and I want to get out of bed, and it's like I can't. And it's like, I, I'm, I'm praying, like, God, I just want to do the work that you've called me to do. Please just let me get out of bed and, like, you know, help me manage this pain. But it's the only thing that mattered. It's like this pain, this, this pain that was in my back was, was so, like, um, f- like severe or, or it was so, in, like, focused that it was like it was the only thing that was on my mind. I had a hard time thinking about anything else. I couldn't see past it. It's a little better today. See, that's what contempt does. See, it's anger, but it's anger that we can't see past. And what is it that we're supposed to be seeing? We're supposed to be seeing the image of God in other, in other human beings. I think that the kind of anger that, that Jesus is speaking about in, in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount is anger that blinds us to the image of God in other human beings. All of those examples of God being, you know, angry throughout the Bible are, are examples of God's fury directed at the people, directed at people who are ignoring and compromising their God-given identity. They're ignoring the image of God in others, and they're turning people into objects for their own selfish conquest. And, and God is not happy about that. Think of David. You could look at uh, 1 Samuel 18, um, starting at verse 7. As a young man, David, he served King Saul, right? But his successes led to the jealousy of the, uh, led to the uh, jealousy uh, of the king. David defeated a Goliath. He has success in battle. You know all things that that the king should have been thrilled about. And then during the victory parade, um, these women start singing his praises. This is First Samuel eighteen. They they say, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And the next thing we read is that Saul was very angry. See, he had, he had contempt towards David. And the next thing you know, Saul's hunting David, trying to kill him. 
He was so blinded by his hatred that he lost the plot and couldn't even see that David's successes were his own successes. And of course, David, you know, he had his own problem with objectification, but that's another sermon. Jesus, he said it best when he said that, that all the law and the prophets can be summed up with the command to love God and love others. You do those two things. Doing those two things are fundamentally what it means to be a human being. Fundamentally is what it means to be who you were created to be. And yeah, when we fail to do that, God's wrath is provoked. God doesn't like it when we treat each other with contempt. You know that, right? It breaks his heart when we treat each other like objects to just attack. God doesn't like it when, when it's not enough for you to be right. Someone else has to be wrong. It's not enough for you to win. Someone else has to lose. For King Saul, it got to the point where it wasn't enough for him to be king. David had to suffer. Contempt is anger that we can't see past. It blinds us to respecting the image of God and other human beings, and it prevents things like solutions and justice and order and peace. This happens one-on-one, you know, for sure, but sadly it also happens with groups as well. Race, religion, sex, politics, none of these things are bad in and of themselves. But when we allow oversimplified rhetoric to kind of create this like us and them mentality, that's when justice gets interrupted. Conversations stop, and we end up just like throwing rhetoric at each other like we're throwing rocks. And we end up not really wanting to further a conversation at all. We're not really interested in solving any kind of a problem, coming up with a solution. We just want to attack each other with words or worse. The 21st century has introduced humanity to an exceptionally efficient yet passive-aggressive way to exercise contempt. Websites and blogs rose in prominence in the late 90s, but it was the invention of social media that has allowed us to explore the field of contempt in new and innovative ways. But here's the thing. It's not all coming from our lips and our fingertips. A lot of it is actually just kind of festering in our heads. Maybe for some of us, we'd like to think that we would, you know, I would never say, I would never write something on social media that's like a biting comment. But then again, how easy is it for me to click that comments button and kind of live vicariously through other people's contempt. Allow me to give a personal example of um, where I have fallen down in this regard. I will admit, I will confess to have not particularly cared for the second Star Wars sequel. Are we preaching yet? There's nothing wrong with me having an opinion on a movie. It's just a movie. I'm no under, uh, no, uh, under no obligation to like them all. But I disliked this movie so much that although I didn't comment much myself, I will confess that it gave me no little joy to hit the comments link on the reviews. And you can kind of you know, filter to only read the negative ones so that I could see how much other people didn't like this movie as well. I mean, ha- have you ever done that? Have you ever clicked on comments to see, like, if someone else made, like, the biting comment that, you you know, the contempt-filled comment that you wanted to say? Movies are subjective. They're easy targets. But, but 
I mean, all we have to do is like, you know, scroll down our feed and we can see something far more substantial. Click on the comments of a political conversation, a theological conversation, see how Christians talk to one another. And we see a contempt. We see then a level of contempt that is well beyond reasoned opinion or passionate criticism. Sometimes we just like to see other people attacked. And that's not moving the ball down the field, folks. It's an interruption. It interferes with, with how things should be discussed. I mean, there are certain topics that have become so emotionally charged that even for them to be mentioned is for people to ready their defenses. You can think of them, right? These are complicated topics, things that aren't going to be solved by bumper stickers or front yard signs or memes. They deserve rational, respectful, mature discourse by humble individuals who know that they don't know everything. Learners. But instead, our society has as far too opted for vitriol. We've chosen to treat that other side with contempt rather than respect. And that leads us to a very important principle about contempt. Being right is not license for contempt. If you are in the right, even if you're right, that's just, and that's an assumption, you know, but even if you're right, that does not give you license to treat another person with contempt. Being right doesn't justify bad behavior. I mean, if I'm thinking about the things that I am truly passionate about, you know, I was thinking about, like, what, am, what do I really have a conviction about? The, the thing that I'm really passionate about, the thing that I have a firm conviction over, I can't think of a better example than the gospel itself. Make no mistake, I have strong opinions on the matter. If you're a follower of Jesus, I hope you do as well. And Peter tells us that, that we should always be ready to give an account for the hope that is in us. That is, we should always be ready to share the gospel with others in word and deed. But, but right there in, in Peter, how does he say that we should do that? With gentleness? with respect. So while I have every interest in standing up for my convictions, Jesus is Lord, there are four lights, it would only weaken my proclamation of the gospel to treat an unbeliever with contempt. Yet for some reason, Christians do it every day. See, Jesus calls us to a better way. Matthew 5, 43. You have heard it said, Jesus says, you've heard it said that you shall love your, enemy and hate, or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And if that wasn't enough, he gives a reason for, for why you should do this. He says, so that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Not, don't you, the tax collectors even do that? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, it might have seemed like Jesus lost his train of thought there, but remember, this always was about being God's image bearers and treating others as God's image bearers. It was always about following God's lead. Look at this in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. 
chapter 5, Romans 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were, and get this, for if we were, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Why is it so important to Jesus that we put down contempt and love our enemies? Because that's what God did to us. That's what we were once to God. We forgot our creator. We forgot our identity. We went down our own selfish path and we became enemies of God. But, but then, while we were sinners, he saved us. While we were enemies of God, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things that we've done. Not because we deserve it, but because of his mercy. Because he loves us. Jesus came not to condemn the world, not to show the world contempt, but to love his enemies by, by living a sinless life, by dying a sinner's death on the cross in order to proclaim victory over sin and death and evil once and for all. And then, after that death on the cross, after the resurrection, he then invites us into a new way of being human, a way marked by love and joy and peace and redemption and reconciliation. See, here's the thing about love. It is not a passive reaction to things. Love is not just gushy feelings. It is an intentional, deliberate choice. It's an action word, and it looks like something when we obey God's uh, call to do it. The good news there, here's the good news about that. You are allowed to practice love before you feel it. Most of the time, when we express contempt towards one another, you know, we're, we're doing so because, because of our lack of connection with another person. We, we don't understand them. We don't understand their point of view. So why not flip the script? Why not treat others the way that you would want to be treated regardless of whether you feel it at the given moment? If you're at odds with someone, do everything in your power to treat them with, with respect. Do everything in your power to treat them with, with dignity and with grace. Do everything within your power to listen far more than to talk. Practice love before you feel it and watch what God is going to do with your heart. The Sermon on the Mount, which those texts came from, it could be summed up, the whole thing could be summed up by Jesus telling us, You've heard it said, but, but how about your heart? I want your heart. Uh, Jesus' brother, James, he puts it this way. Uh, the book of James, uh, James 1, uh, here is, uh, here's Eugene Peterson's translation of, of James 1, 19 through 21, um, starting at verse 19. Post this at all intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears. Follow up with your tongue. Let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. Throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. 
in simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. It's like love can be cultivated in our lives by God. When we give our lives to Christ, love can be cultivated. Our, our actions can be cultivated by, by, by Christ and his love. Don't fool yourself into thinking, continuing to James, don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in a mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of a lot, just a glimpse, even out of the corner of his eye, anyone who does that and sticks with it is, is no distracted scatterbrain, but, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. So to love is a conscious and intentional choice. And like Jesus said, the, the reason why love and reconciliation between people is so important to God it's because that, uh, that is how God treated us who were once his enemies. God looked at you and me in our sin. He saw us exactly as we were, exactly as we are, and he says, I love you. He, he, God knows things about us that even we don't know. He knows sins that even I, don't, I forgot about. He remembers them all. He sees them all. And he went to the cross granting us salvation and life everlasting. That's how, that's how God acted towards his enemies. So why shouldn't we treat others the way that we had been treated by God? Like James said, this is all about freedom, folks. A life of contempt, a life of hate is a life in chains. But to live out of the love of Jesus Christ, that is as free as it gets. We're going to take communion now. Our table is open to all who call on the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if you're not there yet, I want you to know that you are very, very welcome here. We are so glad that you're with us today. We hope that, that New Hope would be a place where you can come and, and, and be open about your doubts, wrestle with, the, with your doubts and with these truths. None of us need to hide who we are here. But if you do come forward, uh, actually metaphorically, because we're actually not coming forward, we're using fellowship cups. I'm going to make one other note if you do have, find yourself taking communion. Communion is, is one of two sacraments that Jesus instituted, the other being baptism. Um, so if communion sustains our faith, baptism proclaims it. To be baptized is to say, I'm dedicating my life. I'm giving my life. I'm surrendering my life over to Christ. And I want to live out his new way of being human. So if you find yourself taking communion and you haven't yet been baptized, that's okay. But I would ask that you come and see me about making a public proclamation of your faith. Um, we're going to say the Nicene Creed together in just a second, but, but, and then the worship team is going to play a song, uh, and then we'll partake together. But, but while this song is playing, I'd invite you to do an anger inventory. 
I'm sure that there are some things, there, there are some things I think that are right for us to be angry about. But as we do an inventory of the anger on our hearts, I just would ask you to, to, to pray, spend a few moments with God as the, as the team plays this next song. Ask yourself, is there any area, is there, is there any area of my anger where that anger has crossed over towards another human being, especially where it's crossed over into the territory of contempt, where it's, where it's I'm ignoring, I'm exploiting, I'm, I'm, I'm ignoring the image of God that's in another human being. The truth is, folks, that contempt is such a heavy burden to bear. And Jesus is begging us to put it down. Put it down. Come to me.